Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Jonah Fair, and I'm coming to you from Macomb, Michigan. No matter where today finds you, whether you're going through the best of times or the worst of times, my heart and my prayer is that this podcast will meet you in a real and relevant way. And what we talk about will help encourage you that no matter whatever chaos you are walking through in your heart and in your head, you will know that there is a color that could be found from it when instead of leaning into the chaos through our own strength, our own ability, we lean into our creator, savior, sustainer, the only one that can make us whole. It's interesting when I look back over my life, I see that it was the hardships, the trials, the difficulties. Those were the things that grew me the most as a person and also grew me the most in understanding my God. And so whether this is your first time or you've been here for a while, whether you are watching or listening, if you're watching right now, we are on YouTube and on Facebook. And if you're listening, then right now we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeart, and wherever else you're getting your podcast from. I, I, I don't think I forgot something, but let's pray and then we'll go in today's episode. All right. Lord God, just thank you so much for this opportunity that we have here today. I thank you for those that are listening and watching this right now, Lord. You know where our hearts are. You know the different things that are going on in our heart and our head. Lord, we just want to bring that to you. Lord, please help us be able to sense you and also respond to you. Lord, may your word just be an anchor in our heart. May we look to you as the living God, not just an idea or a concept or a theory. So Lord, just help us respond no matter what's going on in our lives right now. And just please just do more with this time that we have together than ever, ever we can do on our own. But we need you and we look to you and it's in your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. Growing up, I can always count on two books being present each and every time I sat down at a pew. When I would sit down in front of me, there would pretty much always be a Bible, and hopefully you still have a Bible accessible to you wherever church that you go to, and hopefully even outside of church you have a Bible accessible to you. But the second book that I didn't really have at home, and I know many people kind of did, but the second book that would be present is a hymnal. And if you don't know what a hymnal is, a hymnal is just a book that's a collection of songs that are kind of uniformly accepted across all the churches around the globe. So it would be a collection of just very traditional, um, just songs of hymns, and usually we're pretty rich in just lyrics. And that was one of the reasons why it was so universally accepted, because there was just, just a richness to the lyrics. But I know that I'm grateful for that foundation I had on the hymns because there's a lot of truths within the lyrics that, that pop out to me almost every day. And there's this one line specifically in a song, and the name of the song is, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And maybe you know this song, but there's a line specifically that stood out to me recently. And this is what it says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I'm going to read that one more time. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I know if I'm being honest that sometimes when I'm going through different things, my first inclination isn't necessarily to bring what I'm feeling or thinking to the Lord in prayer. What I do instead of going to the Lord sometimes is that I go to other people. It's so easy just to pull out my phone and just flip through the different contacts I have and find someone that I feel like would be most appropriate to kind of like meet that need of whatever I'm thinking or feeling or just needing to vent, whatever it is. And I know I'm not alone in that. I think all of us, we tangibly reach out to whoever or whatever can kind of fill whatever it is that we feel like we're lacking. And I was just thinking about that whole idea recently of, okay, God, you know, help me, help my first knee-jerk reaction be to go to you with the different things that are on my heart and on my mind. Help me be able to just see you, Lord, as the the only primary response to venting my heart out. And that other people, yes, it's not bad to have relationships and to have people that you can confide in and find comfort in, but I don't want for that to be the primary source of who I confide in and find comfort in. Martin Luther, he has this quote, I've referenced it a lot of times on this podcast, but the quote is, whoever your heart and mind confides in and finds comfort in, that is your God. 
whoever your heart and mind confides in and finds comfort in, that is your God. And I remember coming across that quote very early in my walk with Jesus. I remember feeling so convicted, just literally being like, oh my God, help me, help me. I'm so prone to go to everyone else, but go to you when it comes to those needs on my heart and on my mind. There's a psalm that was very refreshing to me recently as I was reading it. And I wanted to share this psalm with you that goes with this whole idea of just being able to be honest and vulnerable with our God, that we can go to him with everything that we are feeling and thinking. Even if we know what the answer is, we know what the Bible says, but at that time, it's just a struggle to kind of apply it, especially when you're going through a pain or hurt or confusion. But in Psalm 73, it's very sobering to me because the author of this psalm is honest with the Lord. He's saying, look, I know what your word says, but this is where I'm at and I'm bringing it to you. There's a vulnerability here. So as we read this psalm, I would just encourage you that no matter what you are going through right now, to just kind of invite the Lord with the honesty in your heart, saying, God, this is where I'm at and you do not require anything else but for me to bring who I am to all of you. And this is what the author of Psalm 73 says. He starts off with this. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose heart are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. I love how he starts this psalm off with just saying like, look, I, I know I know what is true. Truly God is good. I know that. God is good to those that are pure in heart. But for me, this is where I'm at. I love that honesty that even at the very beginning of the psalm. But for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. Verse three, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know? They ask. Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at those wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I know that I would be a traitor to your people. So I try to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. I love how he's saying, look, Lord, I know that what I'm talking about with you, if I went to other people, that there would be more harm done than good. And I, I feel like that's very sobering, especially to me as a pursuer and as a person that values to have relationships where I can kind of confide in and find comfort in. It's very sobering to me, even what he said right there in verse 15. They're saying, look, there are certain things that, Lord, I can only bring to you. And I know that when I bring it to you, I'm safe. Where with others, I don't know what can happen through me confiding in them. So, Lord, I'm going to you knowing that you are the one that truly can handle everything that I'm going through. It's interesting. He's not shying away from the depths of his heart. And he even says in verse 13, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep innocence for no reason? I think all of us have felt this way once or another. Sometimes we question, okay, God, like me actually walking after you and seeking after purity and seeking after obedience to your word, is it really worth it? I think all of us can relate with the psalmist right here that's saying, look, I see other people in their, their, their brokenness, and they're almost rewarded for that brokenness, where I'm over here trying to be obedient to you, and I feel like I'm, I'm lacking. I feel like I've missed the boat. I feel like there were certain things that I could, have, I could have benefited from, but now I feel like I'm at a loss. And it's so cool how he can just say, okay, God, like I'm bringing this to you. I'm being honest right now. And then he continues, and there's a pivot that happens right here in verse 17. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, 
You will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at a dream in the morning. Have you ever had those moments where you just feel so just overwhelmed and just kind of overcome by the different things that are kind of swirling in your head and in your heart. And it just kind of consumes the, your heart and mind just thinking about, okay, like this is bad, like this is a lot. Those moments where we're so overwhelmed by different emotions and different thoughts, sometimes we can just kind of get stuck in a rut where we're just kind of cycling through these different feelings and we're forgetting that there is so much more to life. I'm gonna bring out the teacher and me and bring out this little whiteboard and hopefully this can help if you're watching help kind of make more sense out of what I'm trying to talk about right here so right here I feel like so often we can kind of have a swirly 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 just overwhelming just kind of sense of a cloud going on in our heart and in our mind we have so much going on within us and and it's so easy just to kind of get lost in looking and focusing our affections on that cloud. Maybe it's doubts, maybe it's confusions, maybe it's hurt, maybe it's grief. Whatever it is, it's almost like this dark cloud that is kind of looming over us and we just kind of focus our eyes on this. But sometimes, instead of focusing our eyes on this, we sometimes will try to focus our eyes on something else to distract us. So maybe... Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's opportunities. Work can also be something. So you have work, music. Maybe it's even your own kids. Maybe it's other people that you kind of just focus on to kind of get your mind off of and be distracted from this dark cloud of questions, of doubts, of confusions that are kind of swirling above you. All these things right here, they're not bad things, relationships, opportunities, work, music, kids, whatever you can fill in that blank. What's really interesting is that this dark cloud right here, there's two things that could be done to this dark cloud. There's one thing is that we have an enemy who wants to use this dark cloud in order to overcome and overwhelm us. So Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that, look, I have come not only to give you life, but life abundantly. The thief comes to still kill and destroy. The thief comes to still kill and destroy. So we have an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy. He wants for that dark cloud of questions, of doubts, of confusions, of hurts, whatever it is, to be so overwhelming in us that we would start to still kill and destroy. And ultimately, the desire of the enemy is for us to destroy ourselves. He wants for us to reach for all the different things that will numb us instead of dealing with this dark cloud. But then we also have our Savior. We have our Creator who has a plan and purpose for us. Despite this dark cloud, He wants to redeem this dark cloud in order for us to be all that He's created us to be. Jesus again says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that I have come not only to give you life, but life abundantly. So we have a Savior that wants to pierce through this dark cloud in order for us to see him. And if you are listening to this podcast right now, all it takes is having a dry eraser and you just put a little line from the Savior to yourself. He wants to pierce through this dark cloud in order for you to grow in understanding your Savior and also understanding more about yourself. Because at the end of the day, we were not created from the chaos. We were created from a creator that has a plan and purpose that has so much more than anything that we can find here in all of these dark clouds. We have a savior that through Jesus, we are able to be honest and say, look, Lord, you can sober me up. You can help me that no matter what I am going through, no matter what I've done, no matter what has been done to me, that I know that you exists far beyond all of that, all the mistakes that I've made, all the things that were done to me, that you and you alone, you can pierce through that darkness in order for me to be able to respond to you. And just like the psalmist says right here, he said, look, I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. And it's interesting, the psalmist had to take steps. He had to walk towards the sanctuary. He had to get out of that rut, out of that dark cloud in his head. He had to get out of that dark cloud in order to make steps to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to you knowing that you have the answer, knowing that you are the answer. I'm going to you and I'm going to not allow this darkness to prevent me from going to your sanctuary. 
Now, of course, in the Old Testament, we know that God dwelled in his sanctuary in a place called the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where some manna was, with the staff of Moses, and that was where God dwelled. But through Jesus, we know that the veil was torn in the temple, that all of the hostility that was built up towards you and my sin and rebellion was placed upon Jesus. So now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, that when we ask Jesus to be Lord of our life, God looks at us. He doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees his son. He sees the price that was paid. Jesus was the substitute and the atonement for our mistakes, our transgressions. So we know that back here as the psalmist is writing, he's saying, look, I had to go where I knew I can find you. We know as followers of Jesus and living in a time where we have Jesus, we have the gift of salvation available to us. All we have to do is surrender and accept it. We know that wherever we need to go is in a place where we are not so swirled by all of our distractions so that we can get alone and truly address that dark cloud and to bring that dark cloud to God. We don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to go to a church, but we can go wherever we, we have available to us in order for us just to be still and to bring our hearts and the honesty that, that we can muster up to the only one that can do something about it. I think so often we can easily say, well, I don't have time or, you know, I'm going to go to the Lord whenever I have it all more figured out. But that's such a lie from the pit of hell. We don't go to the Lord when we can polish our shoes. We don't go to the Lord when we have it all figured out. We don't go to the Lord even when we have time. We go now. We go now. God has given you and me time now to go to him with all of that dark cloud that we have around us. But we have an enemy that tells us, no, you can't go now to Jesus. You have to wait. You have to wait till Sunday. You have to wait till this opportunity. You have to wait till you get this thing done or that thing done. But no, we can go now. I find it so empowering to think about the reality that our thoughts, our, our minds is a temple, a cathedral to our God. I think about Psalms such as Psalms 139, where the writer is saying, look, I know that you know my thoughts from afar. Even when a word is on my mouth, you know it already. When we acknowledge that, Lord, my, my thoughts, my, my heart, my head is a cathedral to you, that we can just be honest wherever we're at. We don't have to get to a spot where we have to sit in a booth and listen to somebody in order for us to be able to feel whole again. Why, why be honest with somebody before we're honest with God? Shouldn't we be honest with God and let that empowerment in, empower us and enable us to give us the strength and the courage to be honest with others as well? We have to move towards God, and that's not just a tangible movement. Sometimes it is. Sometimes there's things, there are disciplines that need to happen. But it, that movement that needs to happen towards us and God begins in our heart, begins in our mind. That movement, that pivot is just saying, look, Lord, I know that this is how I'm feeling, and I'm going to bring it to you knowing that I can and knowing that you care. Verse 17, then I went to your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. When we go to the Lord with a cry saying, God, sober my heart, sober my mind, he will, and he always, always, always does. The best way that he can sober our heart and mind is by allowing his word to be what we meditate on, what fills our heart, fills our mind. We don't have to go to a tangible sanctuary in order for us to have that strength and have that courage. We respond now in our hearts and in our minds saying, Jesus, help me, help me help me. All it takes is a cry out and a surrender that happens in order for us to be able to say, okay, God, I know you know my thoughts. I know you know my heart. God, I'm going to be honest with you just like I'm being honest with the closest friend. And Lord, I know that you have a way that goes beyond all this dark cloud that is clouding my heart and my mind right now. And he goes on to say this in verse 21. Then I realized my heart was bitter and I was torn up inside. Then I realized my heart was bitter. Through Jesus, we're able to understand more of the root of that dark cloud in order for us to address it, placing him at the center of that dark root. We know through Jesus that he came to the dark cloud of our existence here on earth. 
He lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve in order for us not to be overwhelmed by that dark cloud no longer, that dark cloud of sin and of death. But he himself becomes the resurrection and the life that no one could come to the Father except through him. So Jesus doesn't just shine a light through the dark cloud. He's not just a temporary fix to the pains and the hurts that we're feeling. He is the solution to the pains and the hurts that we are feeling. That instead of focusing on all the different distractions that we can easily numb ourselves with to run away from truly answering the question of that dark cloud, which again, the answer is Jesus, we will instead say, okay, all of these different distractions, my distractions for one, do not love me. These distractions do not love me. And also, I'm going to place all of these different distractions. I'm going to place all of these under the submission and the authority of Jesus, that he is my Lord. He is He's the focus of my heart and of my mind. And whenever these distractions start to kind of get flipped and start to become the focus, okay, Lord, sober me, help me. Again, go to your sanctuary in order for me to be able to feel that soberness of realizing there is so much more than all of this. We as people are prone to get our priorities out of whack, but we have a God that is faithful to meet us when our priorities are all whack and say, okay, let me start doing the heavy lifting that you can't do on your own. And the author of the Psalm in verse 21 realizes, look, the root of all this was bitterness. And then he says in verse 22, he has this honest moment. He says, I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Verse 23, this is, this is my favorite part of this whole psalm. Yet, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Who do I have in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. Heavy heart, no matter what you're feeling or thinking today, even through all of that heaviness and confusion that you have been through, that you are going through, or that you will go through, we have a God that holds our hands and remains faithful to the very end. But may we not keep trying to take our hand out of his and try to do this on our own. May we not go to other people or other distractions in order to fill that void that we're filling or fill that hurt and that, and that, that healing that needs to happen. Functional saviors can never truly save us, but they are just a temporary band-aid that will always get peeled off. At the end of the day, we have a creator, savior, sustainer that wants to address and to be in the middle of that dark cloud in order for there to be a resurrection and redemption that can happen only through Jesus. And in order for us to look to Jesus instead of looking to our distractions, it takes honesty, vulnerability, humility, and surrender. It takes a moment where we say, Lord, I am not hidden from you. Even darkness is not dark to you, as Psalms 139 says. And even at the very end of Psalms 139, we see David. David cries out. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. I had a dream the other day, and I wanted to share this with you, as I feel like it applies to everything that we've talked about here today. I had a dream that there's two or three different parts of this dream. The first part was that I was at a wedding and this wedding wasn't anybody else's wedding. It, it was my wedding. And I felt so just kind of overwhelmed. I felt like it was being rushed. I did not really know many of the people that were out in the crowd. And I just remember that there's just this influx of people coming in. And I was starting to get overwhelmed because I didn't know who these people were. But I knew in my dream that it was the family of my bride. And again, I didn't know who my wife was or anything. She wasn't there. But I saw the family coming in and they started to look at me kind of confused. I was just like, Jonah, why are you panicking? Why are you feeling overwhelmed right now? It was almost like I was the weirdo for feeling the way that I was. And I remember just seeing all these people come in and I was longing more than anything for people that I would recognize in order to kind of help me breathe. But as I was just waiting there by the door, waiting for my family or my friends to come, they didn't come. But through it all, even though I was panicked, even though I was overwhelmed, I still had this piece of, okay, 
all right, this is happening. And it wasn't like I didn't want it to happen. I, I wanted, you know, for, for there to be a marriage and, and everything. But it was just that I was just kind of stuck in a current that I couldn't kind of get out of. But at the same time, I, I, I accepted it. I said, okay, this is it. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to walk through this. I, I know that this is what needs to happen. And it fast forwards and, and I'm with my wife. I, I was driving with her and we get to the top of this valley and we're overlooking this city. And it's a city that I didn't know of. And it was just all new to me. And I remember just kind of looking at her and just trying to say, okay, is this where we're going to live? Is this, is this good? And I remember her just having a piece about it and me just being like, okay, all right, I don't know anything about the city. I don't know anything about where we're at right here, but okay, all right, we're going to do this. The next scene in the dream, I was being led to prison. And I know you might be thinking, oh my gosh, you know, that switches up. Well, welcome to dreams. But I feel like there's something here. I was being led to prison and it wasn't like I was being like forced. It wasn't anything violent. It was just I was being led and I was following. Again, I was like in a current that I couldn't really get out of. And I was following after the person that was leading me to prison. I get to the very front of the prison and the person immediately asked for my car keys. And I remember just feeling this sense of, oh. And so I remember calmly just taking off the car key, giving it to the person, and then being led into the prison. And I'm led into this area, but it kind of resembled a bus stop. And to my left was the only person in this entire prison. You can see in his face that like, oh man, I'm panicking here. I don't belong here. I don't know why I'm here. And I remember turning to him. And again, he was the only one that felt kind of overwhelmed. I turned to him and I just started talking to him and kind of giving him some comfort and I remember him just like very immediately just being like, thank you so much for talking to me. I just felt so overwhelmed. I felt like, you know, so confused of why I'm here. And I remember just thinking in that moment, like, wow, that, that that's me as well. So there's this man to my left that I can kind of relate with because like, oh, wow, we both feel like we don't belong here. But to my right, I see my youth group. And so throughout the week, I'm a, I'm a student pastor at a local church up here in Michigan. And I saw some of the students in my youth group. And it's interesting because most of the students in my youth group are like middle school, high school. So they're a little older. But in my dream, they were just like playing on the side of the road, just like innocent little kids. They were playing like hopscotch or something like that, which is completely out of character for those students that were there. But it was just like they, they had this freedom, this innocence. But also to my right were some of the leaders that I have within my youth group. And I remember just kind of looking at them and looking at my students and really confused. Okay, why are they not questioning why I'm in here? Why are they not questioning why I'm in prison? It's almost like they they were okay with it. Like, yeah, of course, like everything's okay. And I see this dog in front of me, my front to the right, kind of near where the students were playing. And this dog had his paw through a beer can. And he had the beer can lifted up and he was trying to get a drop of beer from this can. And I remember turning to one of my leaders uh, that were to my right, and I was pointing to her. I said, look at that dog. Like, this is crazy. Do you see what he's doing? Like, he wants alcohol that bad that he's, like, trying to get a little drop from it. And that leader turned to me almost kind of confused and shocked that I would even question whether or not that dog belonged. And the leader looked at me and said, Jonah, what are you talking about? Alcoholism is real. And I remember being like, yeah, I understand that, but this is a dog. Like, I didn't know dogs can be alcoholic. It was almost like she was looking at me like I was an idiot. Like, you know, like, why why is this weird to you? And I remember just kind of being like, oh, okay, you know. Just a little time longer, I noticed that there's like a hovering squirrel. And there's another person nearby me that in, in real life, they're, they're a big animal person, so they know a lot about animals. So I turn to that person and I say, hey, do you see that squirrel right there? Like, that is crazy. Do you see how it's like hovering? And then that person looks at me and says, Jonah, like, no, like it makes complete sense. Like, have you never known that squirrels can hover? And I was like, no, I didn't know that squirrels can hover. And they were just like, yeah, like, of course squirrels can hover. And then I see the squirrel just kind of hovering away to the distance. And then the next scene I see is that we all in the prison were being led like a, in a uniform line to this like warehouse. And this warehouse, I knew that that's where there was going to be the judge. And it kind of hit me at that moment. Okay, I was in a holding spot this whole time that, you know, I wasn't really in prison yet. I was more in a holding cell and I'm about to be tried. 
And I know that whenever I get to the judge, that that judge will know that I didn't do whatever it is that I was being accused of. But before I, I'm getting to that that area, again, I'm in this like single file line. We're all just kind of like robots going into this this judgment, you know, house. I see to my right that there's this opportunity to escape. That there's a like we're in the middle of like a city at this point, and there's like a subway nearby, and the wall is is not tall enough that I can't get over it. So I'm just trying to rack my head of saying, you know, should I take it upon myself to escape? But then I see the guard post and I see the guards up elevated and I'm like, no, 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 I don't think it's worth it. I'm, I'm going just to instead of trying to take escape on my own, you know, in my own hands, I'm going to put it in the hands of the judge. And I remember waking up and not really thinking anything of that dream. But every time I kind of have a vivid dream, I kind of bring it to the Lord and say, OK, Lord, like, is there is there something you're trying to tell me? Is there something here? And as I was going through my day, it just started to point out like a lot of consistencies throughout all those different scenarios. At the very first part of the dream where I was at the wedding, I felt so out of my element. I felt like, okay, like I don't know if I could do this or anything like that. But everybody around me was like, no, you can do this. And also when I was overlooking the city there at that valley, that it was almost like my wife was like, Jonah, you can do this. But I didn't feel like I could. I, I didn't know anything about that city. And even in prison, when I was there, there were so many things that I was just like, man, I, I, I just can't do this. Like I was stripped from security and comfort. I, I had to literally give up my car keys. If anybody knows me, I love driving. Driving is a sense of like freedom to me. And I was stripped of the one thing that I found the most freedom in, which is the ability to go drive. And there's that consistency in each situation that I was out of my element, but at the same time, there was like this current that I couldn't get out of, that I was like, I was, I was on this journey. And there was things that didn't make sense to me initially, but when I was around those around me, they saw things that I didn't see. And I was just thinking of that whole dream throughout the day, and I was just thinking, we pray so often, God, take us deeper. God, show us more of yourself. God, help me get have that sober heart to be able to see things as you see it, even to see myself as you see me. We pray these prayers so often, but in order for us to be able to see things as he sees it, we're going to see some crazy things. We're going to see some things that doesn't necessarily make sense right off the bat. We're going to see some things that might, might overwhelm us. We might go through some different situations that are outside of our comfort zone. But at the end of the day, if we are asking God, take us deeper with you, then we have to trust that the Lord has a plan and purpose through each situation we go through whenever we feel like we're outside of our comfort zone. That instead of looking to all these different things to be our security or comfort, for instance, at the wedding, I was looking at familiarity as being my sense of security and comfort. I was looking, I was longing for people that I recognize in order to kind of help me feel at ease, but I never got it. At the prison, I wanted my car keys back and I also wanted freedom, but I, I didn't have it at that time. I even had an opportunity to take it upon my own self and through my own ability to receive freedom. But I knew that there was more danger attached with that than me just going through the process and allowing the judge himself to free me from the charges. Instead of resting on the peace, I had an opportunity to take it upon myself to give me whatever I wanted. When I saw a dog trying to get a drip of alcohol, the person next to me saw a person struggling with alcoholism. When I saw the wedding as being rushed and just, you know, like, oh, like I, I feel out of my element, the people around me said, no, like everything is okay. You're fine. Again, we have a God who can do so much more with our honesty and vulnerability than anything we can try to do on our own. May we look to him through all that dark clouds of, of our emotions and thoughts and say, God, help us see things as you see it. Even if all of these thoughts and feelings that I'm having may make me seem like a senseless animal to you, yet you hold my hand, you care, you care, you care. The only way that we can have a sober heart and mind is by saying, God, I want to go deeper. And that starts with being honest and vulnerable to you. Lord, help me see myself. Help me see others as you see me and see others. Lord, help me be all that you've created me to be. The night right before that dream that I shared with you, I was listening to a worship session out of Kansas City. And there's a place called the International House of Prayer 
they're in Kansas City, and 24-7 they have worship. And you can tune in at any time and watch the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. You can watch their prayer room, as they call it. And they have people that are worshiping. They have people that read the scripture. They have people um, that will be praying, all that stuff. And I was tuning into that the night before, and there was this, this worship set, this song that was sung, as I was tuning into it, and it just really just hit my heart as I was reading this passage, this Psalm 73 passage. And I wanted to share this set with you. I, I recorded the set um, so that you can be able to experience what I experienced. So heavy heart, no matter where you're at in your walk with Jesus, I pray that this moment right here will minister to you just like I was ministered in that moment where I was just saying, okay, God, help me just be honest and vulnerable with you. Lord, I want all of you. I don't want just a little bit of you. I don't want enough just to get me through. God, I want all of you. Help me. Help me not be so overwhelmed by my heart and my head that I miss you being present here right now. So heavy heart, no matter where you're at, I pray that we respond to Jesus today. You are loved. You are not alone. There's so much more than this dark cloud. Even when we seem like a senseless animal, we have a God that still holds our hand. May we respond to him today. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I know you're here and you haven't given up. Sometimes I feel like it's too much But I know you're here And you're giving me the strength Oh, it's your presence that keeps me hanging on Oh, it's your presence that keeps me hanging on Oh, it's your presence In my world 
souvenir. 